The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you. Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but they would be too much for you now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you to the complete truth, since he will not be speaking as from himself, but will say only what he has learnt, and he will tell you of the things to come. He will glorify me, since all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I said all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. The Gospel of the Lord. So as I said, this is the third part in a kind of three-movement exploration of our God. So we can connect the dots with the rest of our community later. But just to orient ourselves, could I ask you, how do you imagine the Father? There's no right or wrong answers here, but there is your image um, or your feelings or your experiences. So what do you, what do you understand uh, or what do you call to mind when you think of the first person in, in the Trinity? And you can think of the way we depict the Father in art, or you can think of the warm, you know, beautiful love that wells up in your heart. What do you see? Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Anything in a similar or in a different direction? No? He's a senior partner. <laughs> He's a senior partner. That's good. Um, one thing I was talking to the, to the Maori community about is the fact that we have images. You know, we're, we're, we're imaginary creatures to a certain degree. We need signs and symbols and colours and shades and things to, to even make a step forward in our minds, right? But there's an immediate problem there because God is not an other thing in nature. He's not like anything else. In fact, in the strict sense of the word, he's not even a thing. He's nothing. Not that he doesn't exist, but he's not, he's not another contingent thing hanging in existence that may or may not be there. He's the ground of being itself. Um, Bishop Barron often says when he's talking about the essence of God, he says, if I'm making a cake, I don't say, um, okay, I've got my flour, my sugar, God, milk, butter, because it's nonsense to, to put God as one item among many, isn't it? God is not that. So eventually... As helpful as those images are, the beautiful, warm Father, I think we know that we have to move through them. We have to move past them to the true and living God who's not two-dimensional, not a cartoon, not bound up in a painting, but hopefully that's a place of encounter. The sun does something very charitable for us in entering into history. He comes into our kind of vision with flesh and blood and a voice and hair color and a tone of voice, Jesus becomes concrete for us. And he says time and time again, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, if, if you've heard my words, I didn't make them up. I bring them from the one who sent me. I speak on his behalf. I only do what I've seen the Father doing. How do, how do you see that? But Jesus, the eternal Son, from eternity, gazes with love on, on the, the origin of all being, which is the Father. And then he comes here and he 
models that. And not only that, he sweeps us into the divine life by living with us. Finally, though, we have this third person. And as we said, we have the image of the Father. That's typically in our art, even though we know that God is not a kind of older, buffer version of Jesus. He's, He's something very different. Then we have Jesus. And then we have the Spirit. And how is the Spirit typically depicted? There's a number of ways, but how do you see the Spirit depicted? Flame. Flame. Dove, Dove yeah. Anything else? Wind. Wind, the breath, yeah. The Spirit's presence is different, isn't it? It's, it's not a, it's not a, a humanoid <laughs> with two hands and two legs and ears and hair and facial features. Um, something more pervasive because the spirit the spirit indicates i think i was trying to meditate on this in the car peter and i peter's my pilgrim in this journey we've been traveling around since we left gladstone yesterday and we've been listening to augustine in the car and we just listened to a podcast from catholic answers our god is as we said the true and living god what differentiates a living thing from a non-living thing like what's some basic things that a living thing does and you think that's alive a heartbeat. Who said breeds? Moves. Moves. Well, I've given away my punchline now. Ability to die. Ability to die. Uh, need food. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to come back to that. No one said it, even though we're, we're probably thinking it, but it breeds. You know, when you see something breathe, especially think of when you see someone kind of arrested on the ground and they're in, it seems like they're dead and then they kind of take a gasp of air. Oh, they're alive. Get help, you know. Our God is the true and living God because he breathes. He breathes. But think of this. When we breathe, we're sort of taking in what we can use, oxygen and whatever else is in the air, and then our body kind of processes it, and then we expire again. We, we get rid of what we don't need. That's right, isn't it? Well, think of this. If God breathes in some metaphorical way, if God breathes, if God takes something in, what could that possibly be? Like, what does God have need of? What could sustain God? You know, <laughs> what does he run on? Love. Love. Yeah, which is what he is, right? That's what he is. He's breathing his very self. Isn't that amazing? In this temporal life, we take in stuff and we churn it up and we take what's good from it and we expel what's not necessary, what's waste. Is there any waste in God? Like, does he get rid of any extra? No. God's in this kind of perfect rhythm of uh, inhaling and expiring his very self and, and nothing goes to waste because nothing's impure. It's not like mixed with toxins he has to get rid of. No, it's God. God and God's own self. Now, the divine life is that God calls us, and none of us are God, obviously, right? Uh, But God desires what we call communion. He wants to be made one with us. He wants us to be made one with each other so that we can draw in and expel in the, in the perfect harmony of eternal life, the breath that is God. It's wonderful, isn't it? Okay, one last point. 
we've got our image of the Father and where we might pursue the Father. After a certain point, we have to let go of images and just press into the blackness, the abyss of the Father, beyond all sense, beyond all experience, beyond everything. It's just an apprehension, a knowledge that my Heavenly Father loves me. Our Heavenly Father holds us in his bosom, you know. Uh, I pursue the Son when I'm being nourished by word and sacrament, when I'm out there with what Jesus called the least, the poor, the sick, the vulnerable, the invisible in our society, um, all, all those that we'd like to maybe press out of, out of normal life. No, Jesus says they belong at the centre. And there's other places where we see Jesus as well. We see him in each other. We gather in his name. I'd like to suggest that we, we pursue and we taste and perceive the spirit in the kind of beauty of life itself. You know, the word for wisdom, and, and we talk about the spirit as the spirit of wisdom, the word is sapientia, and it's, it's a word that comes from the taste. You can kind of taste the presence of God. You, you taste that it's, it's going to be nourishing. You can kind of tell. You know when your, your mouth just waters because you can see a, a beautiful meal in front of you? And you, you don't even have to eat it yet. It's like, I know what that is. <laughs> My whole body is telling me. Um, yeah, recognizing the presence of God is a bit like that. It's visceral. We see the Spirit, therefore, in, in a number of ways. But I'd like to suggest that we see the Spirit in our lives when we see kind of fruitful virtue bursting forth. Charity, patience, peace, gentleness, forgiveness, reconciliation, healing, consolation. The fruits of the Spirit. We become like gardens that can't even be contained. Because the Spirit is at work in and amongst us, in and through us. So if I could invite us, let's close our eyes and soak in that spirit that's perpetually poured forth, poured into our hearts as we heard in that second reading. And remember too that God can't be kind of dissected. Even though we, even though we encounter our God in three persons, it's not like God is cut up into thirds. We have this word, it's concomitance. Concomitance just means that wherever the spirit is, the Lord, who is Jesus, and the Father is with them. You know, they're always together in some fashion. That means that it's not just the Spirit that's poured into you. The Son is poured into you. The Father is poured into you. The Blessed Trinity is reposed in your soul. Breathing. Resting. Acting. Loving. May none of that love ever go to waste.